Hi, welcome to Smoking Issues. Today we're talking about how justification by faith alone informs how the church responds to failure with pastors and politicians. If our moral acts have nothing to do with our standing before God, then how do our churches reflect that in how we respond to pastors and politicians with their proverbial pants down? We will be discussing these issues while smoking the classic Lane Limited 1Q pipe tobacco. Have fun! Welcome to the podcast, where nerdy guys smoke cigars and talk about smoking issues in the church. Thank you for being here. If you have any questions or want to comment on what we discuss, you can contact us via Facebook Messenger, email, smokingissues at gmail.com, or you can go to our fantastic website at smokingissues.com. For those of you joining us for the first time, or for those of you who have found me entirely forgettable uh i'm ian (laughs) and i'm josh ian how you doing today man i am well i am just about making it through this winter it is it's been cold it has been cold i mean i don't know how cold it gets in nashville well you know in nashville it's not uh it's not too bad it's bad for nashville but it's not too bad in general in my opinion Okay. okay so and i love the cold so like i'm a big guy so i'm always hot wherever i go so, like, uh, being able to wear coats and sweatshirts, it's just like, oh my gosh, it's the best. I could live in Antarctica. I literally could live in Antarctica. Except for those, like, 20-hour days of light. It's too much light. I need the darkness. <laughs> oh, darkness, my old friend. Well, um, I know, um, you know, the news cycle has probably moved on by this point um, from our issue today, hasn't it? So, But does it really ever cycle out? It just goes in waves. It just goes in waves. Different yeah. names every time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, today it's the Me Too movement. Tomorrow it's going to be something else. But especially within the confines of the church, there's really never there's really never a time where this issue goes out of style, Ian. Uh, quite, quite. Uh, as, as we mentioned, today we're talking about pastors with their pants down, or indeed politicians and other... You know, public figures, just to avoid any libel accusations, I suppose. Um, And how justification, by faith alone, impacts our understanding of how Christians deal with that in their midst. Yeah, it's it's an interesting juxtaposition. I never really thought before we started thinking through this podcast how justification sola fide impacts how we respond to um, public figures that have failures. Mm-hmm. But um, especially the juxtaposition between um, between politicians and pastors, in mm-hmm. light of the recent media, has has kind of brought this back to the kind of brought this back to the surface. So, so kind of our, the, the the smoking issue that we really want to dive in today is a little bit more narrow. And it, the, how does that theology of justification by faith alone get expressed in the church when someone has a moral failure? And why is there a difference between how the church responds to pastors and how they respond to politicians? Because 
uh, there's some social, there's some Mm -hmm. theological, Mm -hmm. there's some moral implications to how we apply justification. Well, do we want to start then with two, maybe a couple of for instances, you know, mentioning no particular names. Because that would just be too on the nose. That would be too on the nose. And you're too British to be uh, on the But nose. we will make glib references to, you know, <laughs> definitely real situations <laughs> about which we all know what's gone on <laughs> without, you know, without, without actually uh, you know, feeling the need to mention names. I, I love it, Ian. I know. It just so much fits your British personality. Uh, it's too. great. That's, that's what makes the podcast smoking issues. Um, so... For instance, <laughs> come on. Um, the senior minister of a church say, "Oh, three hundred people congregation." Uh, so you're implying a smaller staff, you know, um, and maybe they have a uh, full-time administrator um, who and a senior pastor, and uh, this. Uh, Suburban church doesn't have much foot traffic coming through it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we have, uh, you know, sort of office hours, nine to five, Monday to Friday, uh, in which this uh, senior minister and the administrator Uh-oh. spend hours alone together. And uh, in the office, in the office, the yeah, in the office, in the office, behind closed doors, behind closed doors. and, uh, and no they, glass on the doors, no glass on the doors. I just, right. We have to get more specific, right? And uh, you know, maybe maybe they go out for lunch a few times, and um, and indeed, this uh, this senior minister, uh, he because uh, often a he, let's be honest, um, he uh, seems to think that something is happening here. Sure. And one day in the office, when no one else is around, he makes an aggressive pass at his administrator. Mm. Now, she's horrified that that this is like, what on earth? Um, Now, of course, uh, as so many women, um, she says nothing of this. She just leaves it, leaves it to lie. Okay. And she moves on from her job. Hmm. This is a pretty realistic story, right? Yeah, it's happened. It's happened. It's happened. Um, now, indeed, uh, this, this senior minister, you know, he, he, he may well be married or he may, or he may not, uh, but his desire for intimacy uh, leads him uh, to, to begin having a Sexual affair uh, with somebody who with who with whom he is not in that kind of relationship with, um, and it comes before the church. Okay. What happens? Well, typically one of two things happens, and we're not just talking about this specific instance, but in general, one of two things happens: either it's shoved under the rug, no one talks about it, no one pays attention to it, it's just quietly dismissed, or it's blown up. The person is immediately dismissed, never talked from, never talked about or heard from again. Just like CIA level, like grab you in a white windowless van, mm-hmm. tase you. Yes. And you're never heard from again. Mm-hmm. That's typically what happens. Typically what happens. It's either right. sho- shoved under the rug until a big issue, 
And when the big issue hits, Silencio. Yes. Yeah, that's how, that, that does sound about right. So let's talk about another example. So um, mega church pastor, mm-hmm. highly influential in evangelicalism, has a moral failing that's not sexual, but that's related to leadership. That's related to crassness, coarseness, not loving people well, um, control, power, all of the things that we would associate with with being of the world and not of Christ. And so he is rejected, thrown out of his church, doesn't apologize, starts another one in another state. That's another. I've example. never heard of this before. Oh, really? Never have? Never, never. Ne- I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> this is a this is a crazy for instance josh i could never imagine this ever happening in reality yeah um the internet makes you and the internet can break you right so right. um so so these are all moral failings whether they're sexual or not it doesn't have to be sexual mm-hmm. um but moral failings in the context of the church um are typically responded to when it gets public and it's blown up. It's typically a pretty swift response. Mm-hmm. What's typically the pattern, Ian, that you see? I think the pattern I see is a very swift... Um, well, it's, it's almost like a bell curve of like public attention. So public attention drives the, public, uh, drives the organization's response. Yes. A lot uh, of times. Pardon? I agree with you. A yeah, lot of times yeah, it does. Yeah, most of the time. Um, the the public attention of the issue uh, drives its response, and so uh, you know if people are if people on the watching world are upset, then uh, what happens is um, you know big public denouncements. Um, somebody is uh, publicly scolded, and then told to never come back ever again and to be heard from. Um, but typically, when it happens like that, there's a history or a pattern. That's been developed over months or years, mm-hmm. as you were describing with this, with this man and his secretary, mm-hmm. or the administrative assistant, and uh, and and that pattern is never discussed or talked about in the moment. Mm-hmm. It only is when the proverbial shit hits the fan that something Great. gets done. I'm gonna check it explicit again, Josh. Dang it! Oh my gosh! Are you kidding me? I'm gonna protect the innocent ears, Josh. <laughs> The innocent Baptist ears that might be listening. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's only when it hits the fan that things are actually addressed, and typically they get addressed too quickly and too poorly. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's the that's the pattern of pastors. Mm-hmm. But let's turn to the pattern of politicians, publicly endorsed politicians. How does the church respond to that? Well, um, it obviously depends on uh, which end of the political spectrum they're on, right? Because we all know any Democrat is immoral, Josh. <laughs> of course. They, they, they are all literally killing heretics. Literally serving the kingdom of the devil <laughs> just by being part of the Democratic Party. So that's taken as red, right? I, you know, we agree, we're in agreement on that, right? Of course. Of course. Um, but if they're part of the correct party... <laughs> 
<laughs> going to tick off some people, Ian. I know. Of all part, of our four viewers, we might lose 50% of them. If we're going to, you know, if they're part of the correct political party, the GOP, um, and they uh, and they do something, uh, you know, wildly immoral, um, I I think that um, there there is almost a carte blanche, um, which for me, as I interpret this, it comes from um, the, 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 the moral majority movement. Yes, which we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have, um, you know, the, the church has entrusted a politician. They're not thinking of the politician as like a human being or as a moral actor or a virtuous being, a virtuous individual. He's their savior. No, they're thinking of him or her as, a, as an issue. Right, yeah. They're a weapon. A savior for the issue that they're... Yeah, yeah. They're, they're simply a tool, a weapon, to be used to further an agenda. Right. So them as, them as a person, very little about them really matters. That's good. So if a person is an object... Yeah. Then... A, a, an they're object... Mor- they're morally neutral. An object who can just churn out the right votes. Gotcha. So if a person is an object to be used mm-hmm. for a specific agenda or issue then their moral decisions don't have any impact on whether you support them or not. I, I mean, let's put, I mean, it sounds really crass, but isn't this exactly how, how, isn't this exactly why these political, these political scandals keep happening? Is it? Well, yeah. I would probably have to agree with you on a rare occasion. <laughs> this is a rare occasion. Ladies and gentlemen, mark it in your notebooks. I agree with Ian. Right. Something, anything. Right. Um, but so, so there's a, there's just very, very little complaint um, caused, um, you know, and, and those voices, especially amongst evangelicalism, who do talk about the moral failures of darling politicians, are quickly dismissed. Um, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking, for example, of, of that guy, who, uh, Jim Wallace, Sojourn. Sure, yeah. Uh, who's always dismissed for his... You know, the, the, the way he questions the moral integrity of politicians. Hmm. No one cares. No one cares. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because in light of this contrast, um, many evangelical Christians are quick to say um, that they have certain very strong moral issues. Um, anti-abortion, anti-gay. So a pro-life movement um, and anti pretty much any legislation that would... Um, expand the rights of, of gay or lesbians. Mm-hmm. And I'm not debating whether that's right or wrong right mm-hmm. now. Obviously, we both agree on the horrificness of abortion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as it relates to that, they're quick to, to highlight certain moral issues that are good, true, and beautiful and that mm-hmm. are found in the scriptures, right? Mm-hmm. Sanctity of life is one of them. Mm-hmm. However, they're quick to ignore other equally important moral issues mm-hmm. like you shouldn't date and take advantage of underage women right that's wrong mm-hmm. that's morally reprehensible and it's against the law mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so it's taking advantage of innocent using your position of power to take advantage of someone innocent who mm-hmm. needs something from you mm-hmm. which is the exact opposite of jesus mm-hmm. and so they're quick to dismiss those issues well they're the 5, 10, 15, 20 people and all the evidence is false. Or it just doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas there's one or two issues that we stand on. And again, they're both biblical issues. Mm -hmm. You find these issues in the scriptures. But most often, the tool is the most important thing. What's my key issues? And we'll be willing to sacrifice so much more moral. We'll be able to go morally relative on almost anything else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yet... As we contrast it with pastors, man, evangelicals seem like they're sharks in the water, and you just drop bait. It's like sharks with blood in the water. Right, right, right. With pastors. With pastors, exactly, exactly. Um, so, so here's the here's the question: What's the difference between pastors and politicians? Right. So, so I think I think for evangelicals, they have a an interesting you know, a, 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 shall we say, a, a, an almost Lutheran two spheres or two circles theology, functional, functional, okay? Okay. Uh, are you aware of kind of Luther's two circles? Uh, why don't you explain it for our listeners? So, uh, so this is kind of an idea which, is, which emerges from the, from the Reformation era as, as theologians were trying to conceive of a form of church that was rooted in baptism and conversion and not rooted in necessarily your local magistrate or king. Okay. So you know, this comes from a huge social shift in, in how we interpret our leaders. Um, and so you have, uh, you know, God has given the circle or sphere of influence to the, the state um, to administer justice and to maintain order. And then the sphere of the church um, to care for all who are baptized and to determine their moral lives. And these two spheres are very separate. Okay. Uh, with, with you know, in in terms of their um their dominion, maybe. Okay. Sure. I mean, maybe maybe somebody else could give a better description of that two spheres. Um, that's that's about where we're going to go with today. But the reason, perhaps, pastors are held to this massively high standard, because evangelicals are far more invested in the sphere of the church than they are in the sphere of the world. In the sphere of the world, they see this as a war zone. Okay. And they're on one side of it. And they mm. occasionally enter the battlefield. Okay. To fire shots at the other side. Hmm. Right? And they retreat back to the sphere of the church. Hmm. Where everything okay. needs to be fine. It's got to be perfect. Everything has to be perfect here. Hmm. So then you can go over here to the sphere of the political realm. Where it's chaos. Where it's chaos and you can fight your, and you can fight your war. Hmm. Your moral crusade, so to speak. See, here's what I would argue, though. Um, I think I agree with you with this dualistic perspective. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, however, there is a, there is a connection between those two of and an overlapping of those two. Um, and we see this with first Baptist Dallas. We see this with, um, these mega churches that are that's so endorsing of one candidate that to political side, political leaning that to be on the other end is to not be Christian. So I would argue that they actually care more about the state and the government than they do about the church because there's a perception that you can control that. We have influence over, somewhat influence over our legislation, who gets elected, who gets put in positions of power, influence, and authority. We don't have any influence about who's in authority, ultimately, in God's kingdom. It's Christ. Oh, okay. And so 
at the end of the day, you you have more power and control in the realm of the world, in the realm of the natural, than you do in the realm of the spiritual. And when you actually dive into the problems within the church context, within a spiritual context, mm-hmm. you have to be faced with a mirror mm-hmm. to look at yourself mm-hmm. eventually. And so people don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. It's always got to be the other. The other is the evil. Yes. The, yeah. So, so, you can, so you can look past any glaring failures in your political, in your chosen political savior. Um, because, you know, like, it, it's almost like, well, you know, this, this political realm is disposable. In Think about way, this way. In what way do you mean that? Well, none of these people and none of these issues really matter as much as the church does. The church is the elect people of God. No, no, I mean, so this is what it is. This is how I have to see it. You know, this using people as disposable in this way just communicates to me like you just don't care about them. No, it's that you don't care about them, but you care. I believe in that vein, in these veins and sects of evangelicalism that will argue and advocate the importance of the political spectrum. Many of them care much more about politics than they do about people or Jesus. Sorry, yes, you're right. We care more, more, more about politics than they do about, than they do about people, uh, which is why they can steamroller um, over, over issues of social conscience and, uh, and welfare. Well, it's also why they can excuse reprehensible moral conduct as long as there's a, Mm -hmm. if you're anti-abortion, you're anti-gay rights, Mm -hmm. then anything else pretty much is, Mm -hmm. is seen as a fair pass. Which, I mean, I find that really challenging just coming out of the Christmas season and the study and preaching I did over this season, um, when... When God was, was looking to, to send his son into the world, um, he didn't ask the, the court of Herod to legislate. He looked for a, a, you know, a family who were willing to say yes to God. First of all, was Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth. And then Mary. Let it be to me according to his word. And Joseph. And Joseph. Um, the, their, their moral formation, their faith, their virtue was what God was looking for. Yeah. He was, he was looking for people who understood God, loved him, and were going to say yes to him. It didn't matter how powerful they were to him. And see, here's where I think that this goes back to a gospel issue here, Mm -hmm. is that people want to own their justification. Mm -hmm. So let's take it back to justification. People want to own their righteousness. Mm-hmm. They want to work for it. That's how we're mm-hmm. the natural. Our natural soul is wired, hardwired mm-hmm. now because of the fall ah, to work yeah, for yeah. our own justification. And, 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 but when you do that, you realize it's impossible. Until you realize, in a social context, you can move the goalposts. Well, here's the deal: you can move the goalposts in politics and certain issues and rights. Oh yeah, and mm-hmm. so you can earn. You can functionally seek your own righteousness. And so it actually goes back to like when we realize we're poor and we're destitute and we are in need of Christ and his righteousness, we realize that the natural world around us, while God calls us to engage with it, 
that's not where we find our righteousness and our identity. Mm -hmm. Because when we find it there, what happens is that we can move the goalposts enough with the political spectrum with even on the other side of kind of where the Republicans will lean to, we can even move the goalposts with social justice mm-hmm. and say, Oh, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to serve the poor. And I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to protest in the streets and I'm going to mm-hmm. fight for the rights of certain people, certain things, certain issues. And that's where we can find our righteousness. Yeah. And so with justification by faith alone comes back to is that we can neither yep. vilify our enemies nor celebrate our celebrities. Because at the end of the day, we don't get our righteousness from the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that the Christian maturity is starting to see that more. Christian maturity means that you see that more and more. Mm-hmm. And so I think that especially with the political right and where evangelicals to the right would be, is that they seek their righteousness through electing certain officials and getting certain things accomplished. Where I would say the evangelical left is, is they say they get their rights they get their righteousness from social justice and activism mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and this is this this is a this is a far cry from from what we saw in in the blessed virgin um who i mean was, was clearly a, clearly a woman who who knew who god was loved him and when the angel visited her she had a doubt and she said yeah right i'll do i'll do what god asks I'll do what God asks, and and that that is the the humility of faith that it seems God prefers to redeem the world through. Absolutely, that was God's choice to find that young person to hmm. to bear His son, and indeed she becomes then the first the first follower, the first Christian for all of us, showing us you know it's not really about you know, how many decisions you can make and how powerful you can be, um, but how much you're willing to say yes to what God chooses. Absolutely. Um, and that, that, and that's a question of training and virtue and hard faith over a long, long time yeah. uh, that makes you ready for that. Um, and uh, I, think, I think perhaps we, if, we understand, if we understand these things, we can perhaps move on from, um, uh, you know, forgive, you know, looking over and viewing politicians as tools, hmm. can we view politicians as disciples? Wow, that's good. That's they, tweetable right there. Can we view politicians as disciples and say, hey, to the, to the best of your um, strength and faith, are you saying yes to God right now? Yeah. Whatever when, that means, where, in whatever decisions you're making right now. And when we say yes to God, we can never be tied to a political party because sometimes saying yes to God means to serve the poor. Mm -hmm. It means to advocate for the rights of those who, who need them. Mm -hmm. It means to produce legislation that holds back unrighteousness in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It sometimes means showing grace to someone on death row. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, It sometimes means withholding fighting for our rights mm-hmm. elsewhere around the world. Yeah. Sometimes when we say yes to God, that means advocating for the rights of the unborn. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that means saying, no, we cannot let certain unrighteousness continue mm-hmm. flowing across our, our country. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that means letting businesses be able to flourish and thrive mm-hmm. and lessening taxes and, and all so, of those and sometimes things. That, And sometimes that means 
um, stepping up for the worker. Yeah. And, and, and demanding that they should have a safe and prosperous life. Yeah. So when you say yes to Jesus, I love this perspective. When you say yes to Jesus, sometimes that you can, when you say yes to Jesus, you can never be in a political party because they will, uh, they, you will always make decisions that are diametr- diametrically opposed mm-hmm. to those paradigms mm-hmm. that define Republicans or Democrats or any of those things. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. and we've kind of strayed from the point that we were making before about mm-hmm. what's the difference between pastors and politicians. Well, I'm not, I'm not sure it's, I'm not sure it's, it's, it's that, it's that different either. Um, because remember the, the, the pastor is like Mary. The pastor is not like Christ. Yeah. Frankly. Um, so, so the, the pastor doesn't need to be executed when they fail. Yeah. Um, you know, they they were, they were a disciple as much as we were. They weren't a savior. Um, but it seems that, uh, we view politicians as tools and objects and pastors as though they can save us. Or they should, they should be qualified to save us. Yeah. Even if we, even if we from our lips say they're not our savior. Um, there's a certain expectation of pastors mm-hmm. that they want, that they shouldn't fail mm-hmm. because if they fail, then I actually feel like that people are so vehemently um, hungry to vilify pastors who fail because their representation of us, they're like, well, if my pastor can fail, what about me? Mm-hmm. If my pastor, who's supposed to be a spiritual leader, who reads the scriptures consistently, if he can fail in these ways, mm-hmm. well, it's hopeless for me. And again, that's seeking righteousness in other people and in other things outside of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we can and we and we can do better than this. We can we can we can find a way past this. We can. I have hope that we can. Mm-hmm. Um, let's take a quick smoke break, Ian. Great. And uh, so, so we've been smoking since we've been talking um, uh, this extremely popular um, pipe tobacco called Lane Premium 1Q. And so I, when I first bought this, I was wondering, what is this? It's just like it's... So anyway, I did some research. It's the most popular pipe tobacco in the United States. Oh, yeah. Like bulk pipe tobacco. It's the most popular. So it's a, coal, it's, it's a golden... Um, Cavendish blend with a hint of fire cured um, tobacco that's blended. It produces this extremely exciting, flavorful aroma. Um, it and and like I mentioned, it's been the largest selling pipe tobacco um, in the United States for decades. And sometimes um, cigar shops or pipe shops will buy this tobacco and put a different name on it. Really? Yeah, because it doesn't come with any branding. It doesn't come in any sort of tin. It comes in these big bags and so when i got it it was not labeled at all it just said lane one q okay in a clear plastic ziploc bag sounds super skank there we go it does right from the factory um so so it's the first time smoking this for us um it just comes in this generic plastic bag so it's a it's it's been very interesting to smoke um you know of course smoking pipes is so much different than smoking cigars it's uh, such a different flavor, but uh, this is uh, this is extremely popular one. Quite frankly, I've enjoyed it. I I really enjoy smoking a pipe. Um, I found it difficult to find a, a way to get 
a consistent drag, consistent heat. Um, just because I, I, I guess yeah. I, that probably that probably comes from not packing it consistent, consistently, right? Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's there's several of those habits that I'm not yet uh, attuned to. I haven't got the uh, muscle memory, so to speak, to figure out the density and weight and and quantities, all these kinds of things. Um, but I find it a uh, I find smoking a pipe of pleasure, um, and I think I've only relit maybe once in this. In this episode, which is quite a rare thing. Oh, that's awesome! That's great. Right, right. Well, so uh, I, I got piped. I got a. I got a new pipe for Christmas, um, and it was actually made in the 1960s, and it's uh, called Lacroix. It's just like the same spelling as the the sparkling water Lacroix. And uh, I went to the smoke shop in Chicago a couple months ago, and was able to find them. They were old stock, so they actually forgot the box. And had it in a back storage room for, for the past 50 years. Amazing. And so they pulled it out and sold it at half price because, you know, the, mm-hmm. it's worthless. I mean, the money is it's just it's just extra stock at this yeah. point. They hadn't invested anything in it that year. They just found an extra box of pipes. So I came across them, and uh, they sold out pretty quick, but I ended up getting two. But the key for that is the, the bowl is so large that it's quite easy to pack. Somehow, some way... But the larger bowls are easier for me to pack than the smaller uh, pipes. Mm. So, so this has been a, a lovely smoking. I can. I, it's very rare that I have to relight. Um, I haven't had to relight since we've been smoking today. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty rare that I have to relight well, with this specific pipe because of just the way that it packs and smokes is very easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, pipe smoking is a it's a it's a learning curve. Um, uh, so, you know, all of you who are thinking about it, um, you, you want to commit and you, uh, you don't, you, and you don't, you don't want to do it by yourself. Like, you know, have somebody else smoke a pipe with you. That way you're not going to give up and do something else. Yeah. You know, you have to per- persevere through it. Um, but I found, uh, learning a skill is always fun. So, uh, get, do give it a go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been a, uh, a really fun conversation today, actually. And, uh. I think I think I think we uh, knocked out. I think, frankly, we knocked out of the park. We got a fantastic description of of some of the mal- maladies of <laughs> of our yeah. evangelical community. Yeah. Well, it's it's amazing when you think about this in context, Ian, because God still uses the church, mm-hmm. and that's something that, as we kind of conclude this podcast, I think through is um, is is that in spite of the brokenness, in spite of just incredible distrust mm-hmm. of others in spite of um, trusting people that you shouldn't trust inside of, of, of churches and pastors that, that highlight politicians that you would just, you, you can't even believe it. God still uses his church. And in light of us vilifying pastors, even and not showing grace with them, God still shows grace with us. Mm-hmm. And that's, what's just so encouraging is that we can't screw this up. Like God's got it. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. You know, we can have successes and failures, but at the end of the day, the ball keeps marching forward it and indeed. it's not our power behind it. So that's what's encouraging as we think through these things. Wonderful. Well, thanks very much uh, for joining us. Uh, thank you all who joined us today. If you like what we're doing, please send us a comment, text, email, or indeed a smoke signal. We want to hear your feedback and uh, maybe eventually we'll read them. <laughs> we will if not we'll have to make up some feedback so we can do a, a retrospective episode in a few months there you go we can and with a lack of feedback we're just gonna have to make up comments 
and they will just be self-congratulatory, really, won't they? We'll make uh, we'll make different uh, logins to Facebook, different Facebook accounts. Well, we can do it. It's pretty it. easy. Uh, so, so to, to save us from that deception, you should write to us. <laughs> Please do. As always, we'd like to thank our executive producer, Nosmo King. Thank you, Nosmo. Thank you, Nosmo. He's so wonderful to us. I think he brought me coffee today. It was wonderful. Oh, that's great. Nosmo is such a bro, isn't he? Such a bro. <laughs> uh, for all of his efforts in making this podcast possible. See you next time. Bye, guys. Thanks for joining us. Something inside